would ask you to open your Bibles this evening to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, chapter 1. <clears throat> it's been my purpose to resume our messages in Galatians. The more I pray about it, the more I'm not entirely sure that's what the Lord would have at this point. I do intend to finish chapter 3. We only have a couple of verses left. And uh, we left off with a return to looking at the covenants. And I want to tie that in to what Paul is arguing there. But uh, following the closure of chapter 3, uh, there are several... Uh, series that, that have been on my heart, and I would ask you to pray with me about that. Uh, I want to be able to feed Christ's sheep with that which they need to hear today. So, we're, we're going to look at Proverbs this evening. If you would stand with me, we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Not going to do a strict um, exposition this evening. I want to draw some thoughts from it that I trust will, you will find helpful and thought-provoking. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. These are God's good words. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation. The words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. My Father in heaven, we have had a blessed season of prayer. I trust every heart has been warmed, no matter how cold it may be outside. Father, I do pray that our hearts, minds, the eyes of our faith are turned up to thee. I pray that we would hear thy words, that we would hear of Christ and that our hearts would be filled with the joy of the Lord. And I ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> God's mighty work of creation... And his eternal purpose of redemption in Jesus Christ are the great manifestation of God's wisdom. In the person and work of Jesus Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. For God the Father created all things through Christ and redeemed his people through Christ. All biblical Christians agree that Jesus Christ died and rose again the third day to save his people from their sins. It seems apparent, however, that many Christians do not realize that one of the sins Christ died for is bad thinking. 
Let me repeat that. All biblical Christians agree that Jesus Christ died and rose again the third day to save his people from their sins. It seems apparent, however, that many Christians do not realize that one of the sins Christ died for is bad thinking. Not simply the content of what we think but the way we think. We can put it another way. What you think matters, but how you think matters too. I can honestly say I don't know how to dive in and dissect the human mind to see how these things work. But there's no question that how you think often powerfully influences what you think. And what you think works in the other direction as well. <clears throat> it patterns how you think. So the two, in my mind, are not uh, separable, but they're there. And the scripture addresses both. <clears throat> it's one of the reasons we have the book of Proverbs. One of the reasons Jesus died and rose again was that he wanted his people to think God's thoughts God's way. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. But we can grieve that spirit. We can quench that spirit with our thoughts, probably faster than any other way. Very often... We simply think in patterns that we grew up hearing. As opposed, now I'm saying that's entirely, I'm not saying that's entirely wrong, but how many times do we take the word of God and say, I want to think these thoughts after God. I want to think in these ways. I want to think righteously. I want to think carefully. I want to think as God would have me think, both how and what. Therefore, <clears throat> in his infinite love for us, God gave us the book of Proverbs and the other wisdom books so that we might know wisdom and instruction and much more. Now, the first seven verses of Proverbs 1 are the preamble to Solomon's book of wisdom. Reading these verses carefully gives us the following divisions. Verse 1 is the title and the author of Proverbs. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Verses 2 through 6 give us the purpose of of Proverbs. To know wisdom and instruction. In other words, God in his love for us has given us an invitation to be wise. And we're fools not to hear it and to pursue it with every fiber of our being. People want to be cool. People want to be funny. People want to be educated, but I rarely hear people say, I want to be wise before I leave this world. I want to be wise. You have an entire book here that says, come, I'll teach you. I will teach you how to be wise. And then we'll begin to think like we should. Not just the content, but we can begin to think in godly patterns. It goes on to say, to perceive the words of understanding. That means you actually learn to be a good listener. It has been my experience in life that most people are not. They're not good listeners and they're not good interpreters. For those who have been married any amount of time, 
you know, that can be a challenge right at the very beginning. Am I hearing what he just said, what she just said? What did you mean by that? How did you mean that? You know how I meant that. No, this is what it sounded like, right? Very often, those things erupt because neither one of us are thinking, am I speaking and thinking wisely? And then, am I listening to perceive? Am I listening to understand? Or am I just ready for another argument? Or do I just want to prove who's right? Or do I think I've got something so important to say everyone needs to be quiet and listen? There are words of wisdom. There are things that are wise to say. There are wise ways of thinking. But it doesn't generally come naturally to most people. And it's because we're sinful. We're born with sinful patterns. And very often, as I said, some of the only patterns that we have will be in the culture that we grow up in, our home culture, maybe even our church culture, certainly our larger pop culture. So, man, we're thinking about, like, you know, like what's cool instead of actually thinking about what's good, what's holy, what's right, what's pure, what's transforming. What's hideous? What we need to flee from? What we need to embrace? To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To give subtlety to the simple. That cheers my heart. Simpletons can be reclaimed. I'm very grateful for that. I know that the Lord does it. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. He will hear. He will listen to wisdom. And then he will increase his learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. He'll take wise counsel and eventually will be able to give wise counsel. I've never had a person come up to me and say, would you pray for me that I will be wise? Never. I've never had a young person come up to me and say, I've been reading the Bible, and I know this. I want to be a wise man. I want to be a wise woman. Now I get asked some very good things sometimes, for which I'm grateful. But I've never heard that. And yet wisdom, the scripture says, is the principal thing. We need to walk in wisdom, and we don't. One of the sad things about many of us is that we've never gotten past the emotive think. We just respond to what we hear rather than saying, okay, what did I just hear? Let me think about that. We have to do that about everything. Sweetheart, what do you want for dinner? You don't have to spend a lot of time on that. But there are very important things in life that demand careful thought, wise thought. Verses 2 through 6 really say it all for us. To understand the proverb and the interpretation Isn't that interesting? One of the things about wisdom and learning wisdom is that we learn how to interpret other Proverbs. We can hear wisdom and know that we're hearing wisdom. Interpretation in many ways and in certain circumstances is everything. How do you interpret what you hear from your spouse, from your children, from other people, about other people. You're interpreting. Whenever someone is talking to you and it's hitting your ear pans and and doing anything in your mind at all, you're interpreting. Are you interpreting wisely? Are you interpreting well? Well, 
The last verse is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. <clears throat> I'm not saying if you don't ask out loud, you help me to be wise, that you're a fool. But I do have to ask you, is your goal of your life in your walk with the Lord, one of the goals at least, to be wise? <clears throat> Solomon changed the world at that time by his wisdom. Jesus even said he was a wise man because God had made him a wise man. I'd urge every one of us in here to end our prayers in don't want to saddle anybody's mind to something that's not commanded in Scripture, but I would urge you with all of my heart to cry out to God to make you wise. That's why there are, as I said earlier, books of wisdom, not simply one. There are books of wisdom. Learn to think God's thoughts. Well, having said that, the theological foundation and theme of Proverbs is the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of knowledge. It's also the beginning of wisdom. That's where it should begin. Bonafide fear of God. Now, with these things fresh in our minds, the title of the message is God Think or Serpent Think. God Think or Serpent Think. <laughs> Trusting our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus and the Blessed Holy Spirit for further grace and love and mercy, let's consider the following things. The meaning of God Think. What do I mean? If any book of the, in the Bible connects with the modern idea of worldview, Proverbs is at the top of the list. The first seven verses, as we have seen, introduce us to Solomon's worldview. His worldview begins in the fear of the Lord. Now, is that where we start? Is that where everything's rooted? Is that the foundation upon which our thinking arises, builds? The fear of the Lord to know Him. We've seen before, and I say this regularly at Worldview Friday, that a worldview is a framework. A world, everybody has one. You have a worldview, whether you realize it or not. Everyone here could have a t-shirt. I have a worldview. You do. It's just the, the fact. You may not know it, but you do. It is a framework. It is an interpretive framework within you. It's a set of fundamental beliefs that govern how you interpret this world and your place in it. Every single day, your mind is interpreting everything around you, whether you actually think of it in those terms or not. And you have filters, gobs of them. I know that's not a real theological term, but you've got plenty of them. You've got filters, good ones and bad ones. And when you're interpreting through the bad filters, you are not going to make decisions and honor God for the, what he made you to be. Not going to happen. God wants us to think well. God wants us to interpret this world and what we are and what our purpose is in it and how we are to live it according to his thoughts. 
He's given them to us in his word. You can read the Bible a lot, but not pick up any good filters. You can just leave the ones that you've grown up with. So you can sit there and kind of get something a little bit out of the Bible and go on with your life instead of saying, Lord, help me to think according to your words. Help me to think according to your truth. Help me to be wise. Help my mind to be cleansed from the wrong filters that I've put in here or that somebody else has put in. Uh, there are filtered donors all over the place. This lies at the heart of everything that you think and everything I think and do. Your worldview is the controlling system. It is the framework of those things that cause you to perceive your world. You want it to be from here. <clears throat> Without that, sooner or later, you will run off the rails. So, worldview is an important thing. And <clears throat> while you don't have to use that word, I personally like God think, but you need to think your entire worldview needs to be colored, influenced, impacted, overwhelmed by truth, God's truth, not just the lies that your culture and others have set before you. When you get a lie in there, you start functioning according to that as reality. Someone lies to you about someone else, or you tell a lie, you put that person at least at that point, into a fictional world. You ever thought about that? Did you do that? No, knowing that you did. And for whatever reason, the person believes you. They are now living your lie. Lies are bad things. You want as many of them eradicated from your mind as possible and that comes from seeking the unchanging truth. And that would be wise. That would be a wise thing to do. Your interpretive scheme, your interpretive powers and filters influence everything you do. A person who interprets the world well understands his place in it and navigates his relationships and decisions skillfully according to the word of God is what the Bible says is wise. Are you wise? Are you hungry to be wise? Is there any desire in you to be wise? Sit down and be honest and say, well, what do I want to be? Was wise in your list? Was it even in the list? I hope so. I know for some, it is a pursuit. Now, a worldview is not a philosophy of life. Your philosophy of life arises from your worldview. Your philosophy of how things are and how they ought to go come from the filters, come from the framework of beliefs that are in you that cause you to interpret everything around you. Solomon wants his readers, especially young men, he's not leaving women out, but he especially wants young men because they're going to have to lead their home and perhaps lead their country he wants them to understand that interpreting the world and one's place in it begins with this important thought. In fact, all important thought. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And this thought brings us to the theme of contrasting pairs 
of Proverbs. I want to share a few things that we find in the book of Proverbs, building upon what we've said so far. Throughout the collection of wise sayings in Proverbs, Solomon helps us understand the world and our place in it by making sharp contrasts. A contrast, I imagine most of you know, but it is a comparison of two things for the purpose of showing their differences. The reason for a contrast is to say, this but that. Put them together and show how different certain things are. In our day, good and evil are just extremely blurred, indistinct. We live in a culture that calls evil good and good evil. So with extraordinary skill, Solomon defines and establishes a God-centered worldview in Proverbs by making numerous contrasts. For instance, there are two women in Proverbs, very important women. Every man in here and every woman ought to know these two women. <clears throat> Solomon gives us a book of Proverbs so that we might know wisdom and instruction. One method that he uses to communicate this as a father in teaching his son are these contrasts. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. My son, if thou wilt receive my words. My son, forget not my law. He's teaching his son. Listen to me. Listen to what I have to say. And within this family context, the father passes a God-centered worldview and godly wisdom to the next generation. One of the ways the father does this is by contrasting these two important women. Woman wisdom and woman folly. Wisdom crieth out. And the word wisdom is in the feminine form. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She says things such as, I will pour out my spirit upon you. Well, that'd make you want to run right into the arms of that woman. I will make known my words unto you. Whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things. One of the sad things about pop culture is that it makes us get down and roll and wallow in the pig pen of wicked desires, emotions, pleasures. We're governed by our flesh. Now, it screams at you everywhere you go. You can't go to Walmart and go through the checkout line without having magazines standing there saying, here's what beauty is. Look like this or you're not pretty. We live in a squalor. Days when it's like we live in a cesspool. That's affecting your interpretation of life. Wisdom goes on to say, Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. That's how we want to be. But we won't be that way until we embrace woman wisdom. That's what the father is actually teaching his son. Here's a woman you need to know. Listen, listen. She's talking. She's out in the streets, and she's calling and saying, be wise, I'll teach you. In other words, it's God's wisdom. This book is calling us, all of us, to think wisely, to be wise 
not worldly. Wise, not worldly. She said, my mouth shall speak truth and wickedness is an abomination in my lips. She calls to young men and to all people. Whoso is simple, let him turn in here. As for him that wanteth, lacketh, understanding, she saith to him, Come eat of my bread and drink of my wine, which I've mingled. She's telling him there's pleasures in knowing what's right and knowing what's good and how to live in it. Is that what you want? Or do you want the world's Kool-Aid? Forsake the foolish and live, which means we're fools without her. And it's the fact. You are a fool without wisdom. You might be the smartest person in the room. You may actually figure out the square root of pi by just thinking about it. But without God, you're a fool. If you're not thinking according to the word of God, you might be a genius, but a fool. You want to be wise, whatever you are. Forsake the foolish and live. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. In contrast, woman folly says this. Oh, that's the other woman. Mm. And she appears throughout this as well. Woman Folly says, whoso is simple, let him turn in thither. Uh-oh. Starts off just like wisdom. Sounds just like wisdom. An invitation, come to me. And as for him that wanteth understanding, that lacketh understanding, she saith to him, stolen waters are sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. This is a lie. <clears throat> this, is a, this is the seduction of the world and of the flesh and of the devil. Woman folly isn't wise, but she dresses like she is. She even sounds like wisdom sometimes. Come on in. Oh, I've got a spread for you. Well, there are two kinds of people as we go on with the contrast that we're given. There's two kinds of people, the wise and the fools. Proverbs begins with to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice. And when it says justice there, it means righteousness. And then it says, and judgment. Judgment there means justice. That's the way we would say it today. Very often when we read judgment in the Old Testament, what it's talking about is justice, showing justice. Of course, if you are able to discern between good and bad and then you can pronounce something good or evil, you've just made a judgment. So that's the, the, the use of the word judgment is right. But today, judgment is like carries a bag of negativity with it. It's like, you know, don't judge me. Nobody but God can judge me. So <clears throat> there are wise and there are fools, my friends. <clears throat> We're also uh, promised to learn equity, which is fairness. Oh, how many times have you said in your life, especially young people and their siblings, that's not fair, or to their parents, that's not fair. What that usually means is, that's not in my favor. Might be completely fair, depending on what the issue is. But the holy author of the book of, uh, 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 that we're reading, Solomon, sharply contrasts the wise and the fools, puts them together and says, look, 
This is one of the ways you learn wisdom. I'm putting them together for you. Here's the wise man. Watch what he's doing. Listen to the way he talks. Look with the people that he hangs with. Do your associates do or say anything to improve your wisdom? There's a good question. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a prating fool shall fall. Prating just means blabber, chit-chat. The prating fool. Uh-uh. These are some of the reasons that Solomon desires to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. Walk with wise people, the scriptures tell you. And very often we just hang with people because we like them. Now, I'm not saying to give a cold shoulder to everybody. But what I am saying is this. <clears throat> Your friends are generally no wiser than you. You should be around some wise people as much as possible. I'm very thankful that in this congregation we have a lot of wise parents. And I thank the Lord for that. At least they're giving that to their children. But what about your friends? Your friends can be robbing what your parents are giving you. Just be cautious. Be discerning. Learn how to do judgment this way. Is it wise for me to spend time with this person? Is this person toxic? And I didn't realize it. Had this person stolen my heart and stolen my affections for others? Oh, that happens. Just takes a few well-placed lies. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise Counsels The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. There are people that are unbelievably smart and they can look at a book, close it, and they can spew out to you everything in it, but they don't know how to live it. Just being intelligent is not necessarily being wise well there are two kinds of people wise and fools and that's exactly what Solomon wants us to grasp and do you have a meter do you have a built in sensor to know the difference who's worth your time and who is not who should you follow who should be your friend and who shouldn't? Not saying we shouldn't be friendly to all, but at the same time, there are people that in the, wrong, the, in the long run are not good for you. Parents can pick up on this sometimes. Like, oh, where did you get that? Oh, oh well, so-and-so said it. Do you know what he meant by that? <laughs> you understand what she was telling you when she said that? think maybe you ought to be looking for other friends. And we just like people. But you need to love people that are wise. And you want that to rub off on you. There are two moral characters of people in the book of Proverbs. Righteous and wickedness. Two characters of people. Righteousness and wickedness. From beginning to end, Proverbs sets before us righteous people or wicked people. The Bible is not ashamed to take the lowest of the low and put him or her in front of you. But always within the context of how God sees them. Read the book of Judges. Some of you may be aware 
that because we took, uh, because of uh, our governor's uh, decide, uh, decisions to help some of the schools and try to get some of the things out of their libraries, they removed a number of books. Well, this, of course, started a wildfire. And there are a number of people that have stood up. There's some interesting uh, articles on it in the newspaper that they, they said the Bible needs to be taken out of every one of those libraries. It is filled with perversion. It's in there. It's filled with adultery and fornication and drunkenness. It's in there. Just read the book of Judges. Read Ezekiel 16 and 23. Go home and read it tonight and read it carefully. It's full of debauched people and debauchery. But it's also filled with righteousness and judgment upon every one of those sins. It doesn't just say, oh, here it is. It's wonderful. Jump in. The water's fine. doesn't say that. It shows the destruction of sin, God's hatred of it, and the lake of fire for those who die in it. So it's not like the world does it. The world doesn't give us the morality story, generally speaking. So we constantly see the righteous and the wicked in the Bible. We see wicked kings and we see righteous kings. We see wicked actions, we see righteous actions, and we see where God's blessing is and where God's curses fall. For example, we read that God layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous, that God's secret is with the righteous. That the hope of the righteous shall be gladness. Are you thinking this way? Am I thinking this way? Are these just short, pithy statements that are kind of interesting to read, but it's not the way I want to think and the way I want to live? Very important. The righteous shall flourish as a branch, and that the righteous hath hope in his death. Praise the Lord. In sharp contrast, we read, the wicked shall be cut off from the earth. And the Bible defines wicked. We don't have to guess. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. God's curse upon houses. And the heart of the wicked is little worth. And that when a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish. The hope of unjust men perisheth. All they had was this world, and then it's over. That's it. There are two paths in the book of Proverbs. One that leads to life and one that leads to death. Of woman wisdom, the father tells his son, she is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. But of woman folly, the father soberly tells his son, her guests are in the depths of hell. That's a faithful father. That would be a faithful preacher. That would be a faithful governor. Faithful husband, faithful wife, a faithful person. To tell Here's what happens with the righteous, and here's what happens with uh, the path you're on. Two ways, number five, two ways of interpreting reality. This is fascinating. Scripture sets that before us here, and that's what leads us to the title of our message. God think and serpent think. We may describe the complex book of Proverbs in one simple term. The whole book is God think. These are God's thoughts. And what we all want to do is we want God think. We want to think as God would have us to think. 
it is a simple and compact way of describing a complex and an immense concept, no doubt. But God think, nevertheless, is important. I, I am indebted to Graham Goldsworthy for his excellent book, The Tree of Life, in which I discovered his terms, God think or serpent think. And I kept thinking about them. I said, well, I've got to preach that. This brings us to the heart of Solomon's urgency. There's urgency in the book of Proverbs. And when you read it, very often you may not feel urgent. But there's urgency all through it. God think. What do we mean by it? Interpreting reality and our place in it according to God and his word. Interpreting reality. Brethren, do you realize that we're moving into a world that is moving further and further away from reality? I mean, I am telling you now, I started reading it last year, and I didn't, I didn't make a big deal about it. I probably should have said more. We did have a Worldview Friday on AI, artificial intelligence. You are going to be immersed in it this year. Write it down. It's already there. You have a computer then you've got a browser now that has AI built into it. They didn't ask you if you wanted it. They gave it to you. And you, and you need to be careful about the information that you put in it. It'll start reading you. Artificial intelligence, there are those who are extremely bright that have said this is the most dangerous thing we've ever faced. Doesn't mean there aren't good work, uh, good things that we can do with it. Of course, we can do some astonishing things with it. But the possibility of evil is just multiplied. It's all over. It is everywhere, every day. If you've got a cell phone, you're, you're, you're touching AI. And it wouldn't be very hard for you to get apps where you could start you know, using it. And it, you could use it for good. Don't, don't misunderstand me. You certainly could. The issue is, are you able are you wise? If you're not wise, you want to stay away. So I'm for God think. God, obvi God think obviously begins with God. And where do we get God's word? Uh, in God's word. It's right here. <clears throat> this is not artificial. <laughs> this is God's word to us. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's pure truth undiluted and if we take it in and are changed by it not just okay read my chapter for today on to important things but thinking about it and letting it trickle down in there and not only print on the heart but begin to influence the heart and the way it interprets what's going on the more you read the scriptures the more you eventually go you know, I've been doing this for years. I realize now I probably shouldn't be doing that. Here's the word of God telling you. You've become wise. You're beginning to God think. God think means that God decides what is right and wrong, and his word is the final authority in all matters of life. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. The opposite of God think, which is rooted in the infallible word and comes from the all-knowing and all-wise God, is serpent think. There's another way to think. Interpreting reality and your place in it apart from God and his word. That serpent think. You may not be aware, but Satanism is growing at a remarkable rate in our nation. They are now, <clears throat> they are using all of the Laws that they can of our nation to say this is free speech. If this, if this is permitted in school, if there's a Bible in that school, the satanic Bible must be there according to our Constitution. And they're having 
after-school Satan studies. Says, I, don't, I don't think that you need to live in the news, but you should at least have some idea, especially if you have children, about what's out there and lurking in public schools. <clears throat> Brethren, there is serpent think. Now, we always tend to think of that. We think of the serpent as, you know, oh, well, okay, evil, bad, okay, right. But often we don't think of him as an angel of light. We think of red suit, horns, you know, pitchfork. You know, he doesn't show up like that. He might go to a Halloween party that way. But that's not his nature. He hides the best behind religion. You need to understand that. It's one of the reasons there's so much confusion about truth. Satan gets more mileage out of religion than anything else. He'll go for the gross but he loves religious rags. How can you say that? How do you know that? I'll give you all of this, all the governments of this world, if you will bow down and worship me. That's what he's after. I'm telling you. Why, does, why are church splits so terrible? Why is division among God's people so bad? Because we're doing Satan's work. He divides. Are you listening? God is about truth. And that means if we're going to be wise, we need to make sure we make decisions based on truth. That doesn't mean everybody always gets it right 100% of the time, but our aim should always be the same. Always. Serpent think. All you have to do is live life without thinking God's think. That's it. Wait. Uh, one of the most shocking interviews I ever saw was by the, the man who founded the Church of Satan. It was an, a, 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 quite a, a jarring interview. And what he said was this. He said, I don't know why most people in churches don't come and join us. They sit in their building every week and then they go out and live in the world our way. Now, that's a nice satanic lie, right? But it's, it's the truth in it that every one of us needs to face. When I walk out of here and when I live in my house, do I do Satan's work? Do I live for me? Or do I walk with Jesus Christ? He said, he said, you know, they, they do so many of the things that we do. They, they just live like us. They do what they want, what they think, instead of walking according to that book. Brethren, I can say, after many years on this planet, I've seen a lot of that. We don't want to be miserable hypocrites. God think and serpent think, if we're looking at the scriptures that way, will give us new glasses, new visions, new spectacle for which to consider things. How am I dealing with my parents? How am I dealing with my children? How am I dealing with my brothers and sisters in the Lord? How do I deal with people that are lost? How do I deal with the guy at the, at the car shop who just ruined my car? How do I deal with him? Is it God think or serpent think? There's only two thinks. Unless, of course, there is another way to think of serpent think. You know what it is? Fool think. It's the same thing. Fool think is simply serpent think. It's living without God's direction, without God's wisdom. 
Uh, well, let's rush to close here. I've got just a little bit more to think about. So, your worldview, you have one. You have that framework. You have those filters. Where'd your filters come from? Mom, dad, brother, sister, grandma, aunt, uncle, you know, uh, President Biden. You could, in numerous ways, fill up your mind with certain filters that would be utterly destructive of the way you think. You wouldn't be wise, even though you might be smart. Don't confuse intelligence with wisdom. So your worldview, where you sit tonight, is either God think or serpent think. Now, let's be honest. For all of us, there's a mixture. The issue is, what's the majority? Isn't that it? A prayerful and careful study of Proverbs will reveal to us that what our, what our worldview really, really is. Do I think like this? It's crucial. What each of us must grasp is that there are no other options in existence regarding worldview. We start with God, the fear of God, or we don't. If we are not building upon God and His truth, if we do not have a holy reverence and awe for him and his truth, we'll be in serpent think faster than you realize. This is why Solomon says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and then later it's the beginning of wisdom. Our knowledge of reality and of our place in the world begins with the fear of the Lord, or it does not. This is one of those where you, it, you can't say, well, sort of. It either begins with God or it doesn't. Where we begin affects everything about us. How we interpret the world, how we view relationships, how we make decisions. Gordon Fee uh, and Douglas Stewart, well-known theologians and, and authors, commentators, say, quote, Wisdom, therefore, as the Bible defines it, has nothing to do with IQ. It is not a matter of cleverness or quickness or skill in expression or age, even though personal experience is a valuable teacher, if interpreted in the light of revealed truth. That's a powerful statement. You may have a real experience, a true experience, but if you don't judge that thing by God's word, you might not interpret it the right way. You might make somebody the enemy that's actually your friend. Or you might make someone you think is your friend, your enemy. It is a matter of orientation to God out of which comes the ability to please him, they say. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Oh, wait a minute. That's in this book, Proverbs. That's wisdom. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart. That's wisdom. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to have an IQ like the scientists and the engineers. You need to believe God and his word. So let me make some quick applications about this. And we're finished. Number one, Christians of every age, Christians of every age must understand, cultivate, and increase in God think. This is not static. 
It isn't like, oh, you have an experience and you've got it now and you don't have to do anything with it from then on. It's something that you nurture. It's something that you build. It is something that you grow in. Number two, we must learn the purpose of God in creating human beings in his image and how sin has affected our mind, our thought, our reason. We must then correct our thinking with God's truth. If you are not filling your minds, your, your mind and your heart with the word of God, you will not excel at God think. You will at serpent think. Number three, we must recognize that the formation and purpose of Proverbs is to show us how the redeemed mind should think about reality and our place in it. How do you really think about this world? How do you gauge it? What do you believe is right or wrong? And lastly, we must consider God's plan of salvation in Jesus Christ and how this bears on the way we use our minds. Paul says that we've been bought with a price and that we are not our own. That includes your mind. It isn't yours. It is Jesus' blood-bought property. What are you going to do with that mind? How are you going to use that mind? Are you going to fill it with stupid, foolish stuff? I spent decades of my life doing exactly that. And I have trouble getting those filters out still. Oh, love your mind and put the right things in it. And consider that you have been saved to think God think. That's not an option. That's one of the reasons he saved you. You've been made in his image. Now he wants you to think like he thinks. Go to this book and learn. So these two realms of knowledge exist. Creation and creator. When we remove the creator or minimize him, it is impossible for our worldview to be God think. The only other option is serpent think. Daniel Ebert Four said, quote, Wisdom is accessible because of God's self-revelation. Wisdom is accessible. We can get to it because God revealed himself to us in creation, in his son, in his word. You have access to wisdom. Devour it. Wisdom is accessible because of God's self-revelation, whether in creation or by his spirit. It is inaccessible because of human finiteness and the fall. Close quote. Sin has affected the way every one of us thinks. The only way it can be properly restored is the fear of the Lord. In our day, this begins by repentance of our sins, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the wisdom of God. Our human minds and their amazing power of reasoning is one of God's greatest gifts to us. Through Christ, the power of God's spirit and the light of God's word, we must learn to apply our minds to interpreting reality and our place in it according to God's divine word. May the Lord Jesus grant us all the gift of God think. May he give us the discernment of our own serpent think. And may we abolish it with the truth of God's word. May it all be to the glory and honor of our living God for eternity. Amen. Father, we thank thee for thy infinite wisdom. Oh, how we want more wisdom. Oh, how we need wisdom.
We want it to grow. Lord, we don't want barren seasons. We want the, the fields uh, of our mind constantly filled with the blooming and blossoming fruit bearing of wisdom. Help us not to be stagnant. Help us to walk in thy unchanging truth. In this day, raise up a legion of wisdom warriors. Raise up in our young people a hunger and thirst for wisdom and holiness. We ask all these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Please stand with me. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's go in the name of, of our Savior.